you open your Bible with me in uh, Matthew chapter 22, I want you to look in uh, verse 36, and uh, I want to, we were sharing uh, about the extravagant love, and I shared about loving God passionately, and uh, then last week I shared just on loving yourself, which is a bit of a difficult thing for many people to do, and uh, we just want to carry that on and just go a little further with that today. Loving yourself is not the same as being self-centered, wrapped up in yourself. It's all about me. It's not that. Uh, Loving yourself is not about being selfish, me first. It's nothing to do with any of that. Loving yourself has to do with placing the appropriate value upon your life that God has placed. It's coming to agreement with Him. And uh, what I've observed with people is that if people don't value themselves and don't uh, actually love and respect and treat themselves as Jesus treats us, then what happens is uh, relationships are affected by that and uh, the way we see ourselves defiles or comes into other relationships. So people with a lot of rejection uh, either are dysfunctional in their relating or they use relationships to get a need met. And uh, God wants us to grow whole on the inside. One of the ways you grow whole, you have a great self-esteem. You begin to agree with what God says about you. I was talking to uh, one of the teachers we had in our church a while ago, and uh, she was working out at Flexmere, and uh, she was working with low-achieving students. And uh, she said she consistently got higher achievements out of them. And she was called to Wellington to uh, have a look. She's actually down there now uh, working with uh, Wellington uh, in head office, uh, shaping policy. And I said, what was, the key, what was the key to raising the achievement? And she said it was a very simple one. We had to raise their self-esteem the way they saw themselves. With a low esteem, it was impossible to achieve because every time anything happened in the work, it would immediately resonate inside, well, I'm a failure, I'm no good anyway. And then they would give up and not progress. So she said the key to shifting them was to get the esteem or the value or just to change their way of looking at themselves so they actually valued themselves. Isn't that an interesting one, eh? Very interesting. And so it it works out practically. If you don't agree with what God says about you and you listen to someone else's voice about you, you will have a wrong perspective of yourself and it'll be a wrong perspective of life. So I want to share with you just some some things and ask the question, well, what do you believe about yourself and and, uh, where are you getting this information? You're getting it from outside you or you're getting it from an internal source? So how do you see yourself? Uh, I've noticed uh, very quickly that uh, when people have got rooted in rejection, it, it flushes up very easy. You pay them a compliment, they can't receive it. You give them a gift, they find it uh, troublesome to receive. You acknowledge and honor them, they actually find a lot of emotions come up, very, very difficult to handle it because inside they believe I'm not really valuable. And so we want to just show you some keys again to how to shift that. So here's some practical keys of what you can do that will actually work at addressing this area of your life. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, love yourself like God loved you. Amen? So here's the first one. Number one, agree with God about your identity and value. Agree with God. Agree with God and what He says, you are valuable. You are a special person. You are important to Him. He is a father and you are His child. And in 1 John 3, 1 it says, see what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us or just given us that we should be called the children of God. And another verse says we, that we know and have believed the love which God has for us. So in this verse here, it's very clear. God values us. 
God, and He calls you a child of God. So when you describe yourself, who am I? Well, I'm a plumber. No, no, no. I am a child of God. When you define yourself all the time by what you do, you're not defining your identity and who you are and your value around what God says. He loves you. You are more valuable than all of creation. Huh? God provides for the birds. How much more will He provide for you who are of more value, Matthew writes. You are of great value. Of course, the world and life around us tends to strip away our value. But I need to actually get into my heart an agreement with what God says about me. I am a child of God. I am accepted. I am acceptable. I am lovable. I am loved by God. The Spirit of God stays in my life, and God is my friend continually. I need to get that inside me. Needs to be the voice that talks. Strong agreement with the Word of God. In Romans 8.15, you have received the Spirit of God, not the spirit of bondage, to, of, uh, to, not the spirit of bondage to fear and be in bondage, but you've received the spirit of adoption, and it's come into your life and placed you into the family of God, and that spirit bears witness with your spirit on who you are, a child of God. Fathers love their children. You are loved. Now, you and I need to get clearly in our mind we're loved. We've not received a spirit of bondage or spirit of fear to end up in bondage. People who are finding their identity and they're resourcing outside themselves, if someone else has got to say words to you to make you feel good about yourself, you will live in fear of being rejected. If relationships are where you get your identity and affirmation from, then if they fail you, you will end up with issues in your life. So, so people end up in fear because they're attached to the wrong things. Jesus wants us to be attached to Him. So our identity, we define ourselves by who we're attached to. I'm attached to the living God who created heaven and earth. See? Now, when you're attached to God, and of course that has to be something you experience by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, and then by building a life with God, whereby you know firmly in your heart, I'm attached to God and God is with me. How does it get to be like that? There are true primary ways. One is by meditating in the Word of God. The other is by confessing the Word of God. You need to speak, to speak what God says about you. He says, I have a wonderful plan for your life. I know the plans for you, the plans for good, not evil, that you might live with hope in your life. So if we get God's Word into our heart, you have to meditate on it. Why do you need to meditate? Because meditating or rolling the Word of God around in your mind repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly reprograms your inner man to agree with God's Word. If I was to ask for you, uh, tell me, how much is two times three? Well, almost before I finished it, you know the answer. How many found it bobbed up in there? You got 12. Oh, okay, sorry. How many got? Oh, six. Two threes, that's right. Two threes, okay. You got, th you got six, is that correct? How many got it straight away? It was programmed in. How did you get to learn that? I learned it by heart. What does learning by heart mean? Oh, you repeat it. You have to repeat things to learn them by heart. After you repeated them enough, then it's inside you. So we know it works with times tables, but we somehow miss that some of the truths of the Word of God will only come into our heart if we actually meditate repeatedly upon them and embrace them, welcome them, celebrate them until they're written inside us. Then two times three is... 
Sex. Of course it is sex. That's right. It's always been sex. But you know what happens is that we are, we are wired in our identity, most of us, that two times three isn't six. We've got a different thing comes up when you ask the question, well, what are you like? Who are you? We find there's problems in answering some of those things. We need to agree with what God says. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. And I have what God says I can have. We say we don't have much. Yes, but I have what God says I can have. And as I have a belief in my heart, eventually I'll see it. You understand that we have to believe to experience things. See, we have belief in our heart. So you've got to change and reprogram how you think. Most people don't take time to do that. Because you do have to take... How many love learning your tables? Yeah, two, one, two, three, two, three, two, three, two. What was that? Two, threes again? Oh, oh two, threes are six. That's right, two, three, six. You know, it takes time, doesn't it? You have to invest. Now, if you love yourself, practice agreeing with God and take the time to reprogram your thinking so you agree with God. You have to do something wrong, Normal thing, someone does something wrong, they feel bad about themselves. What a believer does, they don't feel bad about themselves. I did something wrong. I am not a bad person. I'm still a good person. I'm still a child of God. And so I apologize. I ask forgiveness. I get over it. I move on. That's how we walk. We don't accumulate baggage. Fortunately, many have come in. We've got a lot of baggage, so we've got to work on that. And number one. So number one, practice agreeing with God, embracing His Word into your mind and heart, and speaking it over your life, day by day, through the day. Second thing, boundary or limit destructive influences. Put a boundary around anything that's destructive to you. If you love yourself, don't let yourself be destroyed. If you love yourself, don't let negative influences into your life. If you love yourself, put up a boundary. That means put up a fence put up a barrier, that means actually when it gets on the ground, just saying no. That's what it involves. Now, a lot of people don't think they can say no. They've got to love and so forth. It's true we love, but it's also true we say no. If this is destructive to me, I will say no. Now, that's loving yourself. Now, a lot of people, because they can't communicate what they really want to say, allow things to happen and flow in around their life, and therefore they feel uh, a low esteem and low value because they haven't stood up. A child of God speaks the truth in love. Therefore, in love, I will say what I need to say to put the boundary up. So you have to do that. That's how it goes. A boundary is a wall or a barrier that defines what you're responsible for. So if you permit destructive influences into your life, you are not loving yourself. Loving yourself means you actually identify things that are negative coming into your life and confront them. That's how you love yourself. Okay? Interesting, that one. I agree about what God says and learn to say no. No, thank you. No. I mean, one guy, he had real trouble saying no. He said every day when he get up and stand in front of the mirror and a whole, in about 20 different ways, smile and say no. 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 Thank you very much, but no. Some people that can't say no. Is that true? <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a bit mischievous, wasn't it, eh? Uh, <laughs> so you have to put up a boundary, stop those influences, okay? And so basically they, come, they fall into two categories, really. One falls in the category of destructive influences by people. Destructive influences by people. In Psalm 1 verse 1, it says... Uh, 
Is that Psalm 1 verse 1 up there? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands not in the way of sinners, sits not in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and life. He shall be like. Now you understand, it actually is making a stand about ungodliness. Not going to walk with sinners, not going to sit in the seat of the scornful and point the finger at other people and mock what they're doing. It's actually about making a stand of setting boundaries around your life. Now, many people uh, that, come, that, we, that come into our life, we can love them, embrace them, we can welcome them, we can talk with them, we can help them, but we cannot let their negativity and their negative influences come in and invade our life. And so you'll find people that you come across who are very negative. When you talk with them, they complain, continue to complain. They're critical. They're running someone or something down. They're running the boss down, the government down. They're running the church down. They're running all kinds of things down. Uh, you find people who are demanding. They're putting pressure on you. You've got to do this, got to do that. You meet people who are bitter. Sometimes you can see it on their face, but you definitely hear it in their words. Sometimes you engage people who are angry. Sometimes you engage people who are seductive or, or, or defiling. Now, when you meet people like that, there's a spiritual influence flows that will impact you. Uh, I talk with people who are doing phone counseling. I said, when you get off the phone, just stop and pray in tongues and reflect what you're feeling inside, what you're left with after that conversation. And if it's bad, then start to pray and push it away from yourself. So the Bible's very clear, you know, that bad communica uh, communications corrupt your lifestyle. So you've really got to watch communications and make a stand about things that are destructive. Uh, so there are some people. Now, how do you do that? Well, it's not such a hard thing. You just, if someone's complaining, you say, well, have you spoken to the person about that? Well, don't download the complaint on me. Go where someone can help you. Someone's critical. You say, well, have you checked your facts out? Do you know if that was really the case? Is this hearsay? Have you talked with the person? Then what options have you got apart from just criticizing, complaining? There's always some ways you can stop things. Or if they're talking about someone behind your back, you say, just stop. Now, listen, I'm not comfortable at all with you talking about someone behind their back. They're not here. Uh, I'd rather you didn't do that in my presence right now. You just push back. Now, that's loving yourself. It's just saying, I am not a trash can. I come up to you and you push the thing and drop your junk into me. There's no way that's going to happen. But you've got to put that boundary up that no one flips your lid unless you say yes. Any idea? You've got to say no to some of these things. So that's loving yourself. If you love yourself, you'll set boundaries about what you'll receive and accept into your life in terms of the way people treat you. Now, that doesn't mean you just walk away. It means you have to communicate, speak the truth and love and connect over the issue. That's always a challenge, but we are to do it. It's one of the most difficult challenges we face, but we've got to make a decision. We're not going to live in fear. We will do this. We'll start to push against those things. If you speak up and say something then what you do is you put the boundary up and you get an understanding between you. You may like to complain. I don't like to receive complaints. We've got a problem here. So how about when you're with me, you don't complain? It'd be quite simple, wouldn't it? I'm sure there are wonderful good things. Now, when you complain, of course, you'll have negative feelings and emotions. Why don't you start to actually look at all the things that you could be positive about and grateful for and start to develop an attitude of gratitude? You'll find your life changes. So anyway, there it is. The second area you've got to put a, a boundary against destructive forces is the area of uh, visual influence, visual influence, the uh, media, entertainment, books, TV, uh, computers, internet, all that kind of stuff, uh, because it can so easily defile. You get a spirit comes behind it. 
Much of the stuff is empowered by demonic spirits. I think these are all wonderful inventions, but you've still got to guard what you allow your eyes to see. Because Job said, you know, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a woman. Why? Because where my eyes go, my heart will go. So if you're going to uh, love yourself, just make commitment to yourself uh, that you will begin to guard what you allow to come into you around visual media. Otherwise, what will happen is your standards will lower and be eroded. You won't even know what you've got. And you're not uh, loving yourself when you do that. Actually, you're abusing yourself when you do that. Because your value isn't going up, your value is coming down. Why is it coming down? Because what God gave into you is now being eroded out. What God gave us is very, very important. He gave us holiness. Eh? So we need to do those kind of things. Well, you know I'm talking about the person. Tell them to listen up. It's probably all about them. <laughs> okay, just two more now. Two more. Here's the next thing is you need to resolve negative influences inside you or that operate in your own life. Resolve negative things that, that, that uh, operate in your own life. If you love yourself, then be committed to personal growth. Uh, let's show you just in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 29. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. In reading about Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a great reformer. And it says this. It says uh, in verse 3 of chapter 2 Chronicles 29, In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Verse 5, he said, Now hear me, you Levites. Sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers. Carry the rubbish out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. They shut up the doors, put out the lamps, haven't burned incense or burnt offerings. I can't do all of that, but just go down to verse 16. So the priests went to the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the debris they found in the temple of the Lord to the court, uh, to the court of the house of God. Now, this, this is reformation. Now, here's a young man, and when he became king, in other words, when he stood up, in the authority God had given him. His first priority was to deal with the house of the Lord. Now, you and I are the house of the Lord. So what did he do? He, the first thing he did was repair the gates. He, he looked at the areas where access comes in and out, and he repaired them, covered them with all with gold, restored them and covered them with gold. He restored the glory of God's presence into that place. See, so he, he restored the gates. The gates are always a picture of the entranceways into things. Then he went into the inner place and cleansed out what was in there. In the very same way in our own lives, we need to resolve things which are going on in our life, some of which have been there for years. If you love yourself, care for yourself enough to look at the areas you need healing. Now, most people, if you uh, drop a hammer on your foot or you accidentally bang your thumb, normally every part of your body yells. Yells protest, and probably you'll say a word or two as well. Something will come out, I'm sure. But you know there's pain there. There's something not right. So we can see that with the physical thing. Often with the wounds in our soul, we're not so aware of the damage that's been caused, and so we don't usually take the effort to do anything. The freedom retreat, the restoration retreats, and some of the care force courses are designed to help you get the baggage out of your life. God loves you enough. He's made provision for that to happen. Love yourself enough that you roll up and let the thing happen to you. You begin to open your life and say, I'm on a journey of change. I'm on a lifelong journey of change. Okay? <laughs> it's all kinds of things which you need to look at. Well, are there inherited curses? 
family patterns that are operating in your family that need to be sorted out and brought to the cross? Are there offenses you've been holding for years? You need to actually remember what happened and, and bring it out to the light and deal with it. Are there fears that, that cause you to feel intimidated? Bring them out and get them sorted out, sorted out. Someone spoke cursing over your life? Get that out and bring it to the cross. Let it get sorted out. What about trauma and things that have affected you emotionally? Get them out and get them to the cross. Get the stuff out. Why? So Because you value yourself. God valued you and He made provision for that to be dealt with. He made provision for your griefs to go. made provision for every area of our lives to be healed and restored. It's His plan to restore us. So if I'm going to agree with God that I'm valuable, also agree with God He's provided for my wholeness and I will therefore pursue it. Isn't that a good thought, to do something like that? Why do you reckon do something like that? Eh? Uh, need to deal with sexual sin. If sexual sin's taken place, let me just show you something here in Genesis 49. Genesis chapter 49. And uh, this is Reuben, one of the sons of Jacob. Genesis chapter 49 describes the last words he prophetically spoke over the, uh, the various sons. And so he gathered the sons together, Genesis 49, and verse 3 said, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, the excellency of power, but unstable as water you shall not prosper or excel because you went up to your father's bed and defiled it, went up into my couch. Now, what you've re- you got to see here is he is making a prophetic declaration. He's speaking words that will impact the destiny of this man. And this man had a tremendous call on his life. He was the firstborn. And so God's intention for him was this, uh, for, uh, multiple blessings. Uh, firstborn blessing meant double portion of inheritance and the leadership and the family. Second uh, blessing, my might and the beginning of my strength. In other words, that his calling in God to carry on the work of Jacob, to be strong and walk in the ways of God. The excellency of dignity, he would carry honor and be recognized by people, and the excellency of power, he would have supernatural help to actually advance and to prosper. What tremendous blessing this man, uh, what, this was his destiny, yet... This is what it says, you will not excel. And there's a reason you won't excel, and it's a reason because of something that you did 20 years ago. You got involved in sexual immorality, thinking it wouldn't be noticed, it wouldn't count, and now today it's beginning to count. And this is the problem with sexual sin. It feels good, but the Bible warns us about it because sexual sin brings something into your body, into your inner man that causes you to change. And it always has a legacy. You may think you get away with it. It's done in secret. It doesn't affect anyone. No one. But listen, what it'll do is destroy your destiny. It'll take away the legacy. It'll leave you bitter and sorrowful. And so why not deal with the thing? If you love yourself, deal with it. In John, uh, James 1.22, Now, beloved, receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God, which is able to save your souls. To shift in these areas, we need the Word of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to help us. People around can help you. We don't need to go into all of that today. But here's the, here's the principle. If there are negative issues eroding your life, love yourself enough to get out some help, ask someone to help you, and bring resolution to it. Why live in defeat and bondage when you don't need to? Interesting thing in the Old Testament, Numbers 33 and 52, God said, drive these enemies out of the land, because if you don't, there'll be a there'll be a prick in your eye and a thorn in your flesh. 
So what you leave unaddressed in your life after you become a Christian becomes a prick in your eye, it affects your vision, becomes a thorn in your flesh, you're preoccupied always with things that you should not be preoccupied with. Amazing, isn't it? Love yourself enough to deal with issues. And then the last one here, this is a crucial one. Make God your friend. Make a decision to build friendship with God. Why would we make that as such an important thing of loving yourself? Because your friends influence what happens in your life. The Bible says if you go with someone who's angry, you'll become angry. So the people you hang out with, the people you associate with and make your friends, they influence you. So if you were to make God your friend, to take the time to build relationship with God, to become intimate with Him, to listen to Him, to build a life that pleases Him, to discover from the Word of God what He hates and what He loves, and begin to love the things He loves and hate the things He hates, begin to align your life along that path and make God your friend. You know, what happens is you begin to receive the love of God, and then we love and feel love. We feel love. Why? Because we have a source that no one can see. It's an invisible source. Now, God can also love us through people, so we need to be connected to people who are positive, people who are encouraging, people in the body of Christ who are loving and who can help us and encourage us. You need those kind of relationships. Why? Because that's one way God loves you, helps you to feel of value. But let's just give you a couple of scriptures. In Luke 10, verse 42, uh, Jesus speaks to Martha and says, Martha, Martha, you're troubled and uptight and anxious about many things. And, And she got so uptight. Her esteem went down, and when her esteem went down, she starts complaining. Lord, you don't care. You know, my sister's left me. Now, that's a bit of a whine, isn't it, eh? Put a bit of cheese with that one. See? It's, it's, it's really quite a grizzle and a whine and a negativity and a complaint. Left me to serve alone. Oh, poor you. You know? Why don't you tell her to come and help me? Why don't you go and talk with her and ask her for help yourself? So notice what happened, that because she didn't prioritize her life right, and receive personal revelation from her own connection with Jesus. That's what she didn't do. That's the choice that Mary made. Now, it's wonderful to come to meetings and receive inspired teaching and prophetic teaching or whatever, but you need to get near God and find from the Word of God words for yourself, personal words. God speaking directly into your heart. You have a di- devotional diary and you write down the things that need to be written. Write down the things God is saying. Write down things God is talking to you. Why is that? Because the rhema that God speaks to you will give you faith and change your whole life. So make God your friend. If you make God your friend, then you'll become more and more like Him as you talk with Him and interact with Him. Most wonderful thing. What happens when you encounter God is, and have experiences with God is the DNA of God gets downloaded into your spirit and you change. Some, some areas that we struggle to change, I, now I'm all into process. I believe processes are important to grow. But encounters with God can download spiritual DNA and empowerment into you that just shifts you immediately. It just changes you immediately. And you become a different person. Remember Jacob? Jacob wrestled. And he fought, there was a whole struggling over issues in his life, and then out of that encounter, he was changed completely. They even changed his name. Encounters with God change you. Love yourself enough to make God your friend and seek encounters with Him, and particularly that you hear His Word for yourself. Got that? And then 
part of, of course, in this whole dimension is that we learn to walk with the people of God as well. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, the Bible tells us, I think it's 24 or something like that, near enough. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 11, Moses, Moses, it says, see, he, had a, he saw the Lord. He had an encounter with the Lord. And it changed a frightened man into a brave leader that touched and changed a nation. And then it says, he identified with the people of God. He identified with the church to walk with them and bring them out of bondage and into liberty. And why did he do that? It wasn't easy. They were moaned and groaned and complained and rebelled, all kinds of things. But listen, he did it, said, because he saw him who was invisible. His encounters with God kept an energy in his life that enabled him to influence a whole generation. What a tremendous thing that you would love yourself enough to agree with what God says about you who you are and what you can do and what the possibilities are for your life. That you would love yourself enough to put a boundary up and say no to people treating you badly or to other things happening which are negative. That you'd say, but love yourself enough that you'd say no more to some of the things which are affecting your life and you're beginning to deal with them. That you'd love yourself enough to say, I want to be friends of the most wonderful person because I want to become like him. And as you do that, you begin to find your life changes. Everything in you changes. You see yourself different. You see people differently. All starts with a choice, doesn't it? To love yourself. Just close your eyes right now as we just finish. Father, I just thank you for your wonderful presence here today. We just so love your presence. It's just a great joy to sit in your presence. And as we just wait upon you and, and worship you, we can feel that you are here. Angels are here. 